0: what they could do to be better than their competitors. I think using data, whether it's tools available that they could buy or just use for free, there's so much free stuff out there using a spreadsheet. And it doesn't really matter, right? Just using data, looking at this property, looking at the neighborhood, looking at the trends of where prices are going, days on market all of that stuff. And, I think that will help them be more intelligent.
1: Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference great way to earn money. And also if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket. Essentially you get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com and in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the best ever conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Krill Bensonoff. How you doing, Krill? Hey, Joe. How are you? I am doing well and looking forward to it. Krill's is the Chief Product Officer at New Silver. Prior to this, he, he was an investor in a fund that does lending, and now he works at a company that does lending. We'll get into the details there. Based in Boston, Massachusetts. With that being said, you want to give the best-ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Absolutely. My background is in technology mostly, so I've really come to learn real estate. As you mentioned, As I was an investor in a fund that provided private capital for real estate. invest, how I learned the ropes a little bit. So my previous experience was mostly around enterprise technologies. I built, sold a couple companies, one in the services space, one in the software space, again, all for back office IT. And now I'm on to New Venture, New Silver, which is basically a data-driven technology-first private lender. And then our major difference from what I see others do is we can originate A loan much quicker. We can actually provide and price out a loan for someone in under 10 minutes online. So we're building tech to do that.
1: Okay. And are these residential loans for primarily fix and flips or buy and holds or what?
0: Yeah, we do a little bit of both. Primarily single family residentials for fix and flip, but we do products for a little bit longer term buy and hold as well.
1: Okay. You said you were an investor for five years in a fund that does lending. What, if anything, did you learn from that experience that you've applied to this company? Oh, I learned a ton.
0: I knew nothing about real estate other than the place where I lived, basically. But as far as an investment business, I learned a lot. I think I still have a long, long way to learn. I talk to people who have been in the industry for many years longer than I have. I'm just sponging up as much as I can. But from that fund, I really just learned mostly about risk, how to analyze risk, what is... uh, A picture of a good borrower versus not so good one, that kind of stuff mostly.
1: Mm -hmm. And how do you apply that with what you're doing now?
0: We're a young company. We started less than a year ago and we are constantly evolving our models. But the main thing that I've learned and really the main reason why I like real estate so much is because it's the largest asset class and it also has the most publicly available data in the world. So me being from the background that I have, I really like to look at data and I like to to figure out what that data could mean when applied to a business process.
1: Okay. You mentioned one of the things you learned is just the components of what a good borrower is. I imagine even without real estate background prior to that, you knew conceptually what a good borrower would be, right? Good credit score, debt-to-income ratio is pretty good, whatever that ratio is for the lender. What specific things did you learn that were not as obvious i guess
0: i think as you said and this isn't really rocket science i think a responsible individual overall tends to be a good borrower because they've done their due diligence on the project usually and if something goes wrong they will most likely not abandon the project immediately and they'll try to rectify and fix and things think of ideas in terms of what they can do so to me high level there's lots of nuances but a good borrower is someone with good credit score. That's obvious, but perhaps that's really not necessarily the biggest factor. It's someone who makes all of their living from real estate investing activities so that this is a person that does this full time and they know what they're doing. They've done this before. They have experience and also someone that has some education found that college graduates are just more responsible. And this is kind of painting with a broad stroke, but Obviously, there's people that don't have a college degree that are great borrowers, and once there are some that have a college degree that are not good mm-hmm. borrowers. But at a high level, broad strokes, that's what we look at. But we also look at the collateral a lot more than we do at the borrower. So if the borrower is great, that's very good. And then we want to look at the collateral. So that's the second piece of the puzzle.
1: When you offer a loan to a qualified borrower, do you have a pool of investors that then lend, or do you? sell that loan to a secondary market, what do you do with it? We're a direct lender. We
0: have our own capital. We do a little bit of two things. We hold a little bit and then we sell a little bit as well. We have a number of aggregator investor partners and we hold some on our own balance sheet.
1: Okay. This is a pretty competitive space, I imagine. I know there are a decent amount of online lenders out there. And I heard you when we first started talking about the 10 minutes being able to offer them a loan or qualify them in 10 minutes. What has evolved in your process since you've started? Because I imagine that you've evolved your product over time to stay competitive and in the marketplace.
0: When we went live earlier this year, to be honest, we weren't sure how much online adoption the space and the borrowers and the investors will like. I wasn't sure, and my partners weren't 100% sure whether or not this is still sort of the old school business where someone wants to pick up the phone and talk to someone on the call and get a loan that way, where has it hasn't evolved, where people are now preferring to do everything online. You think about the consumer mortgage industry, and obviously much, much bigger space, and maybe loans are a little bit easier to price and underwrite. We have Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage, and and a number of others. And now with these players that came in to basically power up smaller banks and allow them to basically do these online loan applications, we're kind of seeing an explosion of consumer mortgages being underwritten automatically. I just think that this is definitely possible to do. The same thing is possible to be done in the private lending space. It's a little bit trickier and a little bit different, but it's not that different. So when we went live, we went live with like a minimally viable product that essentially mimicked what we thought we would like to do, but it was more of a manual process. It looked and felt like an automated form, but it was just not really intelligent on the back end. So that's what we went live with, and we, we had that for a little bit of time while we figured out that, yes, it looks like people are really interested in filling out something online and perhaps at some point never talking to a salesperson or a loan originator. So that's what we went live with. And then we basically, as we saw that, we built the first version of our fully featured product that does automated underwriting online. Hmm.
1: What are the top three ways you've acquired new customers? There is only one, digital marketing. Okay. And is that what, Google ads or is that something else?
0: A little bit of everything, Google, Facebook, other platforms we have a bunch of automation built up so people who can come in download a piece of content or they're interested in using our deal analyzer or something like that things like that so just traditional digital marketing we haven't done much of anything else i don't really expect that we will maybe at some point we will but digital marketing works best it's most measurable obviously it brings in people that we don't know but we get to know them and i think about Maybe the younger generation, millennials, or even a little bit older. I'm I'm kind of on a little bit past the millennial age, but if I think of myself and how I like to do things, I'd prefer to go online, Google what I need to do, find two, three companies that may be somewhat relevant to what I'm trying to get done and figure out what they do and what they cost and go with one of them. That's Mm -hmm. the fastest.
1: Within digital marketing, if you could only do two things to acquire new customers, what would those two things be?
0: Meaning what platforms I would advertise
1: on?
0: I think Google is obviously unbeatable and they have the lion's share. And they also allow you to be very flexible with how you want to bid and a bunch of other stuff. So Google is definitely my favorite. I would continue to do that. And the other one, I think Facebook and their properties. Honestly, the Facebook traffic directly from Facebook hasn't been that great for us. But I still think that it, it serves a purpose, and whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or another one of their properties, I think it, it just kind of serves a purpose of branding. When so someone sees you, then they see you on Facebook. I think that they remember the company and maybe feel more comfortable.
1: What's been the biggest problem you've had to overcome with this business? Me personally, I'm just learning about
0: everything, really. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I've started out with zero knowledge. <laughs> I thought I knew stuff, and I did know a little bit just from this investing activities that I've done, but... I didn't really know in depth. I didn't know the process. I didn't know how appraisers work. I didn't know how difficult the closing process could be. If someone is able to tackle how closings are done today, it's a billion dollar opportunity and it's a very difficult one. I think some people are maybe working on this. I hope they're working on this because the closing process is just a nightmare.
1: Think some of your blockchain friends have perked up when they heard that and there's a lot of people working on that from a blockchain standpoint. I hope so. I know there's a company that I looked at
0: that wasn't blockchain based. I think they're trying to automate this title insurance process, which is, as you know this very well, I'm sure right now it's like you've got a title agent or an attorney and they're trying to figure out what's on this title, how to clear this title, et cetera. And we've had cases, we just closed a deal not long ago where the borrower came to us and they had a perfectly good use case for what they wanted to do an investment property, a buy and hold type of investment property. And when they're trying to buy it, they basically down like a day before closing and figured out that there's a lien on their title that wasn't cleared. Well, the seller said that the lien, it was paid off. And this was like 10 or 15 years ago. When we started looking, we couldn't really find how it was paid off. There was a payoff, it was to a different name, et cetera. And so it was just a mess. And it took six months for us and the attorneys, we had to get a different attorney involved. He finally closed six months later. So that just kind of blows my mind. And I mean, <laughs> the, the property's there, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> and and wow. one of our attorneys said that basically there's nothing they could do. And they said the owner can't sell the property. And that just kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, you're saying this guy that lives in the house, they can't sell it? Why? <laughs> I mean, it's their property. Yeah. They've paid whatever they need to pay but they can't legally do it. So I don't know. That's just a broken process that I've come across.
1: Yes, very much agree. Well, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Just again, completely biased of my background, but I think data should be investors' best friend. As I said, I think real estate is such a data-rich asset class. All the transactions are public or semi-public. I know MLS sometimes has those walls around it, but you could find that data for the most part. So I think for the investors out there that are thinking about what they could do to be better than their competitors, I think using data, whether it's tools available that they could buy or just use for free, there's so much free stuff out there. Using a spreadsheet, and it doesn't really matter, right? Just using data, looking at this property, looking at the neighborhood, looking at the trends of where the prices are going, days on market, all of that stuff. And I think that'll help them be more intelligent. And be better than
1: everyone else. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. All right. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. What's the best ever resource you use to do what you do? Zillow. What do you use Zillow for? Just...
0: Basic lookups. I really like their estimate. actually. I think it's pretty close to what we get in the appraisal, but just basic lookup of what this property is, pictures, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Best ever way you like to give back to the community?
0: I do stuff locally, not related to my business at all, but I volunteer in some places. I give blood. I do that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> What's something you've lost money on? I've lost money on stock market. <laughs> and how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing?
0: Check out newsilver.com or my personal website, karilbenzanov.com.
1: Well, Kirill, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us more information about new silver, how you're working to differentiate it in the marketplace, and then the backstory as well as some ways that you are acquiring your new customers. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best of our day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end of the work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneur drinks. Com. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com.